Thank you for listening to Comics for Fun and Profit. This is episode 461 for comic releases for August 22nd. And with me today is Eric from Cowabunga Comics. Say hi, Eric. Hi, Eric. Hey. And um, we uh, don't have Kyle this week. And, uh, you know, you've heard my solo cast. So I begged and begged and begged and... um, and Eric Eric was gracious enough to come in and and guest host uh, this week. So um, hopefully uh, it would be oh, maybe ten times better than if it was just me. So we're we're happy well, to have him. Let's be honest. I did more of the begging than you did. <laughs> um, let's see what's going on this week. We had a listener write in. Ryan Lowry to say thanks. Just a quick note to say thank you for the podcast and content. It is definitely one of my favorites, and I appreciate the fact that you guys stay so positive with your feedback and reviews. Keep up the good work. Now, I hope that's sincere, because <laughs> last, <laughs> last, last week I was less than positive about something. I can't remember what it was. Um, and then I've also was harsh on Fiona for the long hiatus on Saga. So I have been harsh recently, but yeah, for the most part, we talk about the comics we like and and are positive about it. So I hope I hope this that's a sincere thing. It seemed like it. Um, I think says, being keep... harsh and being critical are two different things. True. I think you can be critical without being being harsh. So yeah, yeah. I'm not overly negative, but occasionally I do get on my soapbox. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate the positive feedback. That's great. Um, Michael Curto says, trying to see if this is worth anything. And he sent me a couple photos of his Archie's Girls, Betty and Veronica, number 150, from 1951. So after a quick jaunt over to mycomicshop.com, I didn't bother looking it up in Overstreet. Sorry, Michael. Um, in the condition that it looked like it was to me, you're looking at around 5 bucks. So um, don't quit the J-job, man. Um, it... You know, it's a, it's a 1951 comic, so I I get it. It seems like it should be worth a lot more, but not not enough demand for those. And uh, I guess nothing really important happened in that issue. So, um, what what yeah. was that comic again? It was Archie's Girls, Betty and Veronica, uh, number 150 from 1951. Hmm. Interesting. What do you have? What do you have? A thousand dollars on it? Am I lying? No, I, I certainly don't have a thousand dollars. I just uh, thought, you know, let's go to eBay and see what the sold listings have, and um, yeah, I would say it looks like it's probably in that five dollar range. Would probably be about your your target. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it's not, if it was a uh, near mint, you'd have a little something, um, but uh, it was not. So, but thanks for sending it in, and uh, we'd be glad to to give you a quick grade and. And price on things if you're if you're not sure about something, um, but uh, so yeah, we appreciate that, Michael. Thank you. Um, we have some really cool news from AfterShock too. AfterShock is going to make all their number ones from here on out returnable. Now, I'd love to get your perspective on this, Eric. Um, what does that mean for you as a retailer? Um. Well, so. First of all, one of the things that James and I have always talked about is having returnability is an extra you know lever that we can pull that we really like. 
And the reason that we like it is it does allow us to up our orders, um, which is great. The only problem is that depending on the publisher and their restocking fees, sometimes it's a catch-22. So sometimes we may have to pay 20 cents per issue to restock the item at Diamond. Other times we just have to rip the cover off and send it back. So um, I, I haven't looked at the fine, fine print from a retailer perspective on how this is going to work. But either way, uh, it makes me happy. I, we like selling Aftershock Comics. They've done some really great things for us. The books are good books. They get great talent. Um, they have a great organizational structure. Uh, so all those things uh, make it wonderful for us. Uh, one of the things that I do is when we put together our pricing structure for mail order stuff, I do an Aftershock bundle, give a little extra percent discount because I believe in those books. Um, I believe that they they are a value that you actually get out of the dollar you spend, whereas some publishers, you kind of question it. So uh, so this is all great for me. I, I think that it's going to be hopefully a good thing for Aftershock. Uh, one of the things I know that most non-Big 3 publishers struggle with is just getting kind of validation because their name isn't, uh, you know, Marvel DC image. So if this is a way that they can get a few extra books on the on the shelves, maybe some people will order titles in that they wouldn't normally get. I think this is great. Uh, Boom has done this over the past, oh man, maybe the past year. Uh, they've had a program where select items have been 100% uh, returnable if you meet a certain criteria. So you have to be in good standing with Boom and do a couple other things. But Again, it gives you that extra ability to say, well, you know what, let's try this uh, this first issue. Um, and it has led to some additional sales. And I think Boom's numbers have been going up little bit by little bit. Uh, so I think it's a great thing. So if, if Diamond would couple, working with the publishers, if Diamond would couple returnability with 30-day terms or 60-day terms, we would see comic shops overflowing with back half stuff, everything. It would be well, they would be well stocked. They'd never hardly ever sell out of things. Is, is that, is that true or am I simplifying it too much? Um, well, you can, depending on your account, your status, and all sorts of things, there are ways to get terms with Diamond. It's not the easiest thing in the world, and you can only restructure your uh, account every, I think it's every six months or something like that. Um, it, it, I think it's more on the publishers than Diamond. And I say that because, you know, Diamond sets their orders from the publisher. We obviously give our, our orders to Diamond. So really it's the publisher that sets the tone for how everything is going to work. Um, I understand from a publisher standpoint where they don't want to get back to where things were in the 40s, 50s, uh, where they were pulping, you know, two thirds of the books they printed. Um, that That's not a win for really anyone. Um I, I'm not opposed to certain certain structure where if you order you know over X amount or based on your discount here or something like that, you order over X amount and you know say it's you order over 10 copies of a new number one from a back half publisher or smaller publisher, 50% of them are returnable. 
Um, you know, I, I could I could get behind a program like that. It would need to be a little bit more thought out than what I just said. Uh, that way it gives the publisher a little protection. You know, the, the actual retailer has some skin in the game, but the publisher is also giving the retailer that flexibility to reach for those couple extra copies and maybe try and hook that extra couple readers. Um, it's, it's definitely something that's always talked about when there's retailer and publisher uh, interaction and discussion at a grand scale. I don't know necessarily one-on-one how often it gets talked about. I know when James and I have the uh, opportunity to talk to publishers one-on-one, returnability is not something that usually shows up. We're more interested in um, just being able to create a relationship so that, uh, and and we've done this a couple of times, if a product is out at Diamond, uh, we'll have connections that we can reach out to the publisher and say, hey, Diamond's out of this. I have one person looking for it. Do you have any at your office or in your warehouse? And many times uh, they'll come back and say, yeah, I've got a couple copies. I'll send one over to you. Um, so it, it that's really where we're at. And, you know, that's fine. But I think all in all, uh, if there were some sort of returnability more generally across the line, yes, you would probably see more books at the comic shop. Um, but again, there is a catch to some of this. You don't, a small store would be wise to not go hog heavy on returnability because you still have to pay UPS or FedEx to get the books from Diamond to you. True. You still have to pay to ship all those ripped covers back uh, if that's how they're doing it. Sometimes they ask, like I said, for the full book back, and then there's a, a restocking fee on top of it. So you got to be careful because if you get too deep into it, you could end up paying more than what you would be paying just to have the books sit on the shelf. Um, so... Yeah, that's my speech. But yeah, I think a little bit of returnability in some facet or fashion is never a bad thing as long as it's not abused. Hmm. Okay. I have oversimplified it then. Yeah, I was just thinking, well, you know, if everything's returnable and I got 60 days to pay for it, then I'm going to take a flyer on 10 copies of this, you know, Red 5 comic that no one's pre-ordering, but it looks cool to me. And I think if it's on the shelf, people might buy it, and I can I can make that call with a lot with less risk. But you know, if if it's going to cost me <laughs> um, all the money I would have made in profits to box it up and ship it all back, and if there's yeah, and if there's a restocking fees, yeah, I can I can see where that would be that would be problematic. Yeah, it's every publisher is different. Uh, so for Boom, they just ask that they send you like an invoice or it looks like an invoice that says, please destroy these. And, you know, they take it on your honor that you're going to destroy those copies, which of course we do. Um, You know, it's just kind of how it works. But again, we're not out there abusing the boom system, ordering 50 copies of a book when we know we're going to sell three, right? It's kind of a good faith thing that publishers put with the retailers in that regard, where if we would normally order 10 copies of a book, maybe we'll get, 15. That's probably about the most we would get on top of it. Uh, and and Boom is aware of that. Like they can see your order trends and they can see that because, uh, you know, if, if the first one and maybe the second one are returnable and they see you ordered 50, 50, and then six, they're going to, they could potentially take you out of the program and say, yeah, you're just abusing this and, you know, doing whatever. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that as long as there's, there's a little give and take. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, again, I got it wrong, so I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. I would here. say you got it wrong. There's just a lot of variables in it, and I think that part of that is because you've got Diamond as the middleman. Yeah, right. We're not ordering direct from the publisher. Man, would well, that would be a challenge too, though. I mean, 
Oh yeah. After after you get by, you know, the big two and maybe some of the the higher mid tiers, then you know, there's there's so many publishers that have two books, and you have to negotiate with all of them and deal with all those invoicing and orders, and whoo, that'd be a hassle. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Hey, we got some scuttlebutt that John Byrne has is being wooed back to Marvel to write an X-Men book, uh, perhaps called X-Men Else When? Something uh, like that. Yeah, I think uh, this is this is a big push, I think, by C.B. Sapolsky. Uh, he has made it known multiple times that his first comic that he read, I think, was X-Men 121. Uh, but it was a burn book, and for him, there's obviously a sentimental value to that. But he also understands the uh, the prestige that John Byrne brought to Marvel and continues to have. And obviously, whatever happened back in 2000 with the messy breakup and, and all of that, we don't have the full details. I'm sure someone out there has the full details. I certainly don't. Uh, but if Marvel is able to get John Byrne back uh, and John is able to create at the same type of level that he was or close to it when he was in his Marvel Prime, uh, that's certainly a win for both, you know, publisher, for distributor, for shops, and most importantly for the fans, the readers, because I don't know too many people who say that John Byrne era X-Men or really many John Byrne books for that matter were bad. Yeah. Yeah. He's very well thought of as a creator. So that'd be cool if that happens. And, um, yeah, it's nice to see old uh, masters come back and be able to put a, get on a book again. And just don't do fifty books, John. Just focus on one. You know, that's all. <laughs> that's all I ask. You know, just just do one. Do one really, really well. Um, the Walmart uh, DC exclusive uh, hundred page giants, the second issue of Superman and Justice League, came out this week. Um, I was able to snatch some up and immediately, I mean, flip them within minutes of putting them up on uh, my eBay store. It's crazy with 3,000 stores across the nation that uh, people, they're not close to people and that there's such a demand for this book that's readily available at retail shops. Um, uh, Good for me. and 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 good for other people that are that are out there are flipping them but geez man i mean i i i would have thought everybody who wanted a walmart exclusive could just go to walmart and pick one up but i guess that's not the case are you still getting people coming into your shop asking you to get the walmart books for them uh we had a couple people come in and ask for number one and ever since then it's pretty much died down Uh, yeah Walmart is an interesting situation. I don't know how many people have listened to the Cowcast, but we did give our thoughts on it, uh, I think at length, probably in our last episode. If you do not Um, listen to the Cowcast, please go subscribe. There are 42 episodes. Each one is um, really good and uh, well worth listening to, especially if you want any kind of a glimpse behind the business side of of comics, a uh, legit business side and not uh, two dorks who um, sell stuff on eBay. 
<laughs> well, we are two dorks who sell stuff on eBay. That's true. <laughs> you know, really, there's just a couple extra layers that we have on top of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. We formalized so- it and pay rent on a building. <laughs> but no, it's... Uh, so we did. We talked about it. I think that... Uh, yeah, it's an interesting debate. And it's one that, unfortunately, we'll never really have a full resolution because uh, the contracts have been signed and it is what it is. Um the, the actual comic retailing market will have access to the creative uh, output, but it will only be in collected issue format. So that is what it is. Um, it, I think it's a little bit of a shame, but I'm also, I, I do appreciate the fact that DC is trying to reach out to a new audience. Um, I do think that's a great thing to have happening. Not necessarily sure if this was the perfect way, but knowing Walmart the way Walmart is, they're not going to enter into an agreement if they don't get an upper hand somewhere. Yeah. And they uh, they are also very good at using their size to kind of throw their weight around from thing. I know we've heard people complain about they didn't even observe street date. Well, they don't do that with any of their products, any, any of their collectible products. So, for example, Pokemon. Uh, we sell Pokemon cards. We do Pokemon pre-releases. And we are held to a specific street date. We get the product in uh, a certain amount of days ahead of that pre-release so that we can get it entered into our system and have it all prepped and ready to go. Uh, Walmart is uh, supposed to be held to that same street date. If we sell our product early and someone from Pokemon USA finds out about it, we lose our right to sell Pokemon product. Uh, We've talked to our reps and, you know, had said, hey, we've got kids coming in that are saying they're going to the local Walmart and buying this Pokemon product that doesn't come out for another four days. Um, You know, what's the deal? To which they say, well, it's Walmart. We really can't do anything about it. Wow. So, you know, Walmart has that advantage and that edge where they they just have have a size and a scale that uh, I don't know if too many uh, brick-and-mortar stores Mm -hmm. can can battle Target maybe. But, um, yeah, so you really, you kind of, is what it is at this point. We just kind of move on. Yeah, I mean, I I like the idea of comics all over the place. Um, uh, I like the idea of the Dollar General contract with Alterna. If that ever happens and and they put their line at, at, in Dollar Generals, I think that's cool. They're not doing anything exclusive. They're just putting the same stuff that you can get in a comic shop there, um, which I think is a better is better just to have the same product that you get in a comic shop all over the place, I think is kind of cool. Probably not, not for you, but, uh, <laughs> uh I would but, much rather have that because we yeah. already have the captive audience. The people that yeah. come here on Wednesdays are going to come here on Wednesdays. Yeah. And if you put the product in a different store and it's the same exact product, uh, it would be different if uh dollar general said, Hey, we signed up with diamond and we're going to offer the entire line of Marvel DC image and dark horse books. Yeah. That I would have a problem with because yeah. that, you know, that could be a little, well, and I don't guess I wouldn't really have too much of a problem with that either because it wouldn't be any different than, you know, you moving to the next town over and opening up a comic shop. So really that, that one I wouldn't have as much, but. Well, I mean, um, Barnes and Noble did that. They did, but they had it under a completely different structure. Uh, you know, they had a dollar more on their cover price. They had returnability and. I want to say they were a week delay on books. So oh. if we had a book that shipped on the first of the month, uh, they for them it went on sale on the eighth of the month. There was some sort of with DC, okay. there was some sort of a an advantage that the comic shop had to try and yeah. maintain their audience with Barnes and Noble gaining an extra audience. Yeah. So I guess I mean I 
I want comics everywhere. I want them. I, I want the spinner rack back. Dang it. Um, but, but I don't want an exclusive Walking Dead that I can only get at Target. I don't want to have to go to Menards to get um, the new Skyward because they have an exclusive deal. I mean, I don't want that kind of stuff where you got to chase stuff down. And um, if, if I can't get them from one stop, then I, I just want to see more it get into more people's hands. That's why I like the ubiquitousness of you know libraries. There's a hundred and thirty thousand libraries across the country. With all, all of them have some size of a graphic novel section now, and so that's that's accessibility for for the next generation of comic readers. Yeah, and so that's what I'm looking for as far as because you know I think we're all getting older and dying, and there's less and less new people coming in. Um, although you know you see plenty of of young young comic readers and. Uh, up there in Economa Walk, but it, I think by and large from the industry, what we're what we're seeing and hearing is it's an aging it's an aging market. Yeah, and it's interesting because I don't know there there are aging aspects of it, but there's also a youth infusion, and I think it's I think part of it too is just a replacement. I think that as some people age out, um, you know, sell their collections there seems to be another person right behind them kind of coming in. Now, what we have to figure out is how do we get two, three, or four people to replace the one? Yeah. That's the struggle that we're, I think we're trying to find the best way to fix. And if Walmart is a is a gateway, you know, that's great. I'm, I'm down with that. Um, I agree with you. I think, you know, Walmart, Target, you know, having all these national chains, having these exclusive things, I think that starts to fracture to the point where it's like, eh, no. Yeah, and then instead of saying, "Well, I'm going to pick up eight or ten books from multiple publishers," you're just saying, "I'm just going to get the Marvel books. I'll go to to Menards. Oh, I'm just going to get DC. I'll go to Walmart." And that's where I think you you actually hurt problem. your own industry. Yeah. Yes, that's that's the problem. Um, if I had to go uh, to McDonald's to get the hamburger and Wendy's to get fries and um, Burger King to get a soda, I would be pissed. Yeah, and uh, you know, here here's a public uh, plea. To you, Drew, since your Walmart seems to carry the DC Giants, my Walmarts around me don't, which, hey, I don't mind that. But um, if you do happen to catch a, an extra Batman 3 with the first Bendis Batman, I don't <laughs> care what condition it's in, I yeah. would, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that one off you. <laughs> okay. Just because okay. I'm interested to see what his first Batman story is, and I don't want to be patient and wait. Well, it'll be on my eBay store, and let me, that's a good transition um, to talk about Drew's Comic Shop on eBay. Is that the URL? Do I go to ebay.com slash Drew's Comic Shop? No, it's unfortunately, um, this is like my, I set up my eBay account a long time ago to buy stuff. And it is uh, slash Drew102E. So it's got my name in it, but it doesn't say anything about comics. Um, I'll put, I'll put a direct link in the show notes. But I sell comics and vinyl there now, and um, it's actually selling more vinyl than comics lately, which is crazy. But um, people love the vinyl. You bet. It's one of our movers. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool, and um, it's a bear to package. Um, cause it doesn't always fit in my mailbox slot, but uh, um, it's been fun. It's been fun, and people have really dug 
getting uh, rare vinyl. Um, so yeah, if, if any of that stuff's interesting to you, or you need, or you can't, you don't have a Walmart next to you, and you want uh, the latest, um, I can hook you up. Go to go to my comic shop and uh, and check that out. I'd be glad to uh, ship it to you safely and securely and free. And Drew's talking about vinyl flooring samples, by the way. He's gotten really big into this uh, you know, DIY stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's linoleum. I'll be shipping you linoleum. Um, Those rolls, they don't, they don't fit into the post office box very well. Uh, <laughs> hey, we got, we got Comicron numbers. Uh, so we have sales numbers for July now. Um, last week... We made a prediction. You didn't get to hear this. Well, you might listen to the show, but uh, Kyle's prediction was the top five would be over a hundred thousand, um, and uh, he was wrong. It's the top eight over a hundred thousand. Yep. And um, I don't know that we guessed on Batman, and even if we would have, we wouldn't have guessed four hundred and forty thousand copies shipped to stores of a five ninety nine, a four ninety nine book. Um, we all know that the hype was through the roof. We all know that it leaked, um, souring uh, people's expectations of it, um, canceling orders. There's retailers that got stuck with a lot of these 440,000 copies. So, um, Good news it's is it's returnable. At least it's returnable now, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, Catwoman won. It wasn't originally, though. Correct. Correct. Um so yeah, that that's kind of a bummer. Um, bittersweet taste in your mouth, probably with the uh, with the whole Batman fifty, but it's still it it's an impressive number four hundred forty thousand for just a uh, uh, a proposed wedding. The batrimony. The batrimony. Uh, the first issue of Amazing Spider Man with Nick Spencer at the helm did a respectable two hundred eighty nine thousand. Uh, copies uh, nowhere near uh, the massive numbers that some of the previous renumberings have done. But I mean, my God, man, this is our f- my fourth or fifth Spider-Man number one in the last five years. So you're going to get diminishing returns at some point. But I think it, it it's it's nice that they that it, it did as well as it did. And I uh, hopefully there'll be some of some percentage of those readers that stick around. I, I think it's been a decent read so far. Yeah, I mean that was one that had a lot of uh, variants on it mm-hmm. as well, so that uh, that never hurts Marvel's cause. Yeah, and the ta- the the Tanahisi uh, coats ba- Captain America sold significantly better than I thought it would at one hundred sixty seven thousand. Also, some variants uh, helping that along. Uh, Doomsday Clock, the sixth issue, Steady Eddie um, yep. comes in at one hundred thirty five thousand. Very consistent. Um, seller there, uh, Superman. The first issue of 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 that Bendis comic, uh, one hundred thirty three thousand, much stronger than his Man of Steel. So I think the weekly shipping schedule um, aspect of, of Man of Steel just must have turned some retailers off, some people off about that. They didn't really get behind it to the numbers that that they're getting behind Superman. In fact, it's it was about half. So uh, that was I thought that was interesting. Well, you got to remember, though, that there were three or four covers. I think there were four covers to Superman 1. If I remember correct, you had the A cover, you had a Mac cover, you had a Hughes cover, and then you had a blank cover. 
that's off the top of my head. Mm. Um, so there were extra covers, but I think actually I'm glad you hit on um, on Superman as a character more so than just the singular title, because I did some looking and there are people that were saying, you know, to the effect of uh, Bendis coming on Superman really hasn't hasn't transformed it, hasn't shot it up the charts, hasn't done much, and I actually have an argument counter to that because if you look at what the previous numbers were for uh, for Superman, if we go back to I don't know. Let's look at what March had here. Um, do, 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 do. do a search for Superman. Superman selling 43,800 copies. So 43,800 copies twice a month. Puts you, let's just round up and say 90,000 copies. So you're selling 90,000 copies of one title. Now you talk about Bendis, and he did a weekly for six weeks that sold an average of, let's just, again, round numbers make things easy, 65,000 copies. So you sell 65,000 copies on average across six weeks. You're still doing a lot better than 90,000 in a month. True. Right. And then you look at the lead off of Superman 1, you're at 133,000. And down below it a little bit, Action 1001, you're at 80,000. You know what? If you're going to double the numbers, I think I think it's a win. Yeah. Especially because these books are twice a month. Yeah. So we're going to see some drop-off. We're going to see... You know, the four covers are going to go away and probably lead to two, maybe three, depending on, on what the, the the call for the artist is. But you're going to see a dip, but I still say that you've taken your your premiere, your probably number one from a creative and historical standpoint superhero, and you doubled, his, you, you doubled your sales. Any company that doubles its sales, I think, would say that we've, we've done good. So... No, I'm not saying it's. To say that, I'm not saying it's a failure. Well, I'm not saying you yeah. did, but I've heard a lot of other people oh. that have made comments about, well, Bendis hasn't really moved the needle, and I would beg to differ. I would say that doubling Superman, a character who, uh, myself personally, I find traditionally to be a little boring because it's just too much Boy Scouty for me. I, I just there's not enough of something. I don't know what, but I've read every issue that Bendis has put out, and I've been enjoying it, and I'm actually. For the first time in my life, I have Superman on my poll list. Yeah, uh, well, I, I was a big fan of the Tomasi Gleason run, but um, yeah, I see your point. And by issue six, if it's you know in the sixties and seventies um, instead of thirties and forties for action and Superman, um, that'd be great. That'd be great. So that'd yep. be, that would definitely be a win. Um, and then, not to mention, you get all his other creative output. Um, mm-hmm. All the icons. Yeah, stuff. Pearl just came out this week. Yeah, how did Pearl uh, do? We're gonna have Scarlet. Oh, it, <laughs> we are just about sold out of it. I mean, it it was a good mover for us. We brought in a healthy stack, and it's moved really well. I think is it next week or the week after is Scarlet, um, and then we have the next uh, story arc for United States of Murder Inc. coming out. Um, so yeah, he's he's pumping it out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like he he might have had some stuff in the drawer at Marvel and uh, decided to just uh, pack that stuff and bring it over here. So I like that. That's that's cool. He's very really hitting the ground running and going to have a lot of things happening. And um, I think that that's only that can only be good. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Joel Jones and Catwoman's first issue. Uh, they very they also capitalized on the hype of the wedding uh, with one hundred and twenty one thousand. Copy sold. Very healthy sales there. Um, we'll see how, if any, the backlash sticks that title. It's pretty good. I enjoy it. 
I read the first couple. Um, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it too. Uh, first issue is definitely boosted by uh, an art germ B cover. Yeah. Uh, we've got the second issue of Amazing Spider-Man, so we can see that drop, but uh, it, it's down to 113,000, uh, almost 114,000 copies. That's that's pretty darn solid still. That's not a, that's not a huge drop, maybe what? Eighty percent. It's it's a huge drop. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's still a huge drop. You're right, um, but uh, you know, still above one hundred one hundred thirteen thousand. I doubt there were as many variant gimmicks on a number two. No, not so as many. Still some interest there. We'll see. We'll see where it levels out at. It'd be nice if it if it maintained um, a top as a top ten book. I'd like to see that. Um, Batman 51, still doing over 111,000 copies um, coming off off the the wedding. We're going to have to see where that goes. Um, yep. If it was just the retailers that were upset or if uh, readers are also as upset about um, the lack of payoff for the buildup there. And we'll see if people stick around with the title or it drops below 100,000 uh, significantly because it was it was below there for a while, but it was nice to see it crest that number again as really the only only ongoing comic uh, that can maintain above 100,000 um, currently. So I think that's that's impressive, and um, I'd like to see if that, that, that maintains that. Um, the switch in creators uh, from Tom Taylor to... One of the Tamaki uh, creators, is it Mariko Tamaki? I think it's Mariko Tamaki, yeah. yeah. Um, did really well with X-23 uh, as a relaunch, 93,000. Um, it was good. Not It wasn't as good as the previous run, but it, it was a good title. Um, that's very healthy. Um, Donny Cates' Cosmic Ghost Rider rounds out the top 10 with its first issue and it did 92,000 cop- copies sold. So a really, really healthy top 10, one of the strongest I've seen in a long time, um, and uh, a very impressive uh, sales into uh, retailers and hopefully into the hands of readers. Agreed, yeah. Now as we uh, glance down the rest of the list, uh, anything that you want to, that, that jumps out at you that, was you felt was significant or um, it was of interest to you in those sales numbers? Yeah, I have to admit, I jumped all the way to the bottom okay. and looked at a few things, but I don't... There is no order. Something that, Kyle, Kyle's okay. not here. There is no order. Oh, chaos. Um, no, the one thing that I noticed was down at... Where the heck was it? Um, 475... And 470, you've got Man of Steel 3 and Man of Steel 2, both with reorder activity over over 1,000 copies. Uh, I think that's a great sign on a book that uh, I believe has returnability. That, um, you know, the fact that there's still reorder activity for Bendis' you know, first real arc, I think that's a great sign. And I... I, uh, I like to see that, especially on a returnable book when you see more orders in. Yeah. That that just means that the returnability was there, but people don't have to take advantage of it. So, um, 
Trying to see what else. I lost my little sorter button. Oh no! There it is. <laughs> I was just going to take a glance at Aftershock to see how they've been doing. We got the first issue of Relay, did almost eight thousand copies. Um, that's, that's a healthy launch. The first issue of Clan Killers did four thousand. Um, let's see. We have uh, the second issue of Lost City Explorers dipped below three thousand, unfortunately. Um, Walk Through Hell, which I'm really enjoying. It's third issue. Did almost 7,000, so it's it's maintaining a pretty good number uh, for them. Um, so they've got some they've got some good solid hits uh, for for a company that has much lower overhead. Yeah, no, I think you're uh, you're dead on with that. What else do we have? Um, you know, one that I'm looking forward to to seeing just how things go is the burger books line at dark horse yeah. i think that's um that's gonna be interesting because i know for myself personally and just from the orders that i'm seeing there's definitely some renewed interest in dark horse uh and then also in this current month's previews looking through the vertigo uh books it looks like we're trying to rekindle a little bit of that old vertigo magic that um seems pretty interesting so i think those two smaller uh, imprints on bigger publishers i'm anxious to see how the numbers start to shake out for mm-hmm. them uh, Alterna, we mentioned earlier, um, they're struggling to get a foothold. Are you still reading the Al- the full Alterna I'm line? I'm still buying the entire Alterna line um, from you, and uh, <laughs> it uh, it's it's just stacked up. Um, I I've leafed through some of them, but I'm not current on the line at all, and so um, yeah. I, I'm supporting them with uh, my dollars, but not uh, with my eyeballs, I guess, yet. I, I've never, I it, it just stacked up. I'm so far behind, and um, I, I've never got around to reading them yet. So I'm finishing, you know, all the miniseries and all the runs. And I'm, looking, I'm going to read it. It came out on a Wednesday. I still haven't read that yet, but I was looking forward to reading that one. Um, Tinseltown I was looking forward to. I just haven't made time for it yet. So, yeah, they're just... They're stacked up there. Um, I probably get a short box of Alterna at this point, um, but I haven't. I have not read um, any of them completely through. You know, I've probably sampled a couple of the number ones, but but I haven't finished any of them. Okay. What do you think? Subpar. I uh, I've I've tried to sample each of the titles that have come in just to take a peek through, and for me. I love the price point. Yep. Uh, I love the newsprint. I love what they're going for. I just either I'm into the art or I'm into the story. The the the, the two never meet. Yeah, I can see that. So. Yeah, and that seems. To I be... can tell you, unfortunately, they they just don't sell off the yeah, shelf. They're just not selling. Um, I mean, no. but on paper, no pun intended, but on paper. You know the low price point, the the various genres, something for everybody. Uh, it makes sense that you know it, it, on a rack they're cheap, they're disposable. They sh- people should pick them up, but um, but does not there's not a recognizable superhero. So I get it, right. I was just taking a look with DC and see how many 
how many issues they had over 50,000. They've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. 16 books over 50,000. That's not too bad. Who was that? Which one was that? That was DC. DC. Yeah. Yeah, that is quite solid. 14 for Marvel. Interesting. Black Masks, uh, their entire month offering. Nothing is above issue four. Um, But their first issue probably launched five years ago. Um, They they do have some struggles with... uh, Getting the books out on time, I don't understand it, but uh, they seem they seem to really struggle with that. And uh, I, I like I like a lot of their stuff, um, or about half of it actually. And it just it just very rarely comes out. It's hard to keep that story fresh in your mind and and know you know to seek it out and want to want to read that next one because you've forgotten about it. Right. You got anything else on the numbers from uh, for single issues? I was looking at Boom, Boom's all most of it's under under three thousand, struggling a little bit. Dark Horse, you know, some of their licensed properties seems to do pretty well. Um, Black Hammer stuff's doing okay, above ten. Um, they 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 need a hit. That uh, publisher needs a big hit, and I don't, I don't know if Black Hammer's enough. And I don't, you don't see a lot of Hellboy stuff coming out anymore. So, really disappointed in the way Resident Alien went out. Um, this was the issue four, and uh, so the final issue of that mini series. There'll be one more mini series from the, the way I read the back matter. There might be a final mini series. And that, that they're going to put this on the shelf, and we won't see it again, um, which is really disappointing. And, but I I can't blame the creator sell, selling seventeen hundred copies um, that he doesn't want to, you know, continue it indefinitely. So yeah, it, it sure was great. It's going to be a great omnibus when it's when it's all collected, or hardcover of some sort with uh, the four or five. Um, mini four issue miniseries all together that'll be great i'll definitely want to look into that but uh but yeah it's kind of a bummer when stuff doesn't sell to anybody else that you really love and i experienced that more than most people i think <laughs> the things sure. that i love just do not click with anybody else but yeah that's that's about it not, nothing else really you know there's a lot of number ones um do what what number ones do and we'll just have to keep our eye out for um what else what it does uh down the road yeah i mean i i think i think dark horse i think there's a chance there um once they get a few more titles going uh for the burger books i'm going to be putting together a burger books bundle it's a good idea um, just because i want to i want to help push that i think that you know obviously under karen burger's watch with uh with Vertigo, we had some 
just amazing books come out. You had Preacher. You had uh, Why the Last Man. All time great. You know, Sandman. Yeah. Right. Right. And so these are you know she's got the creator uh, touch. Uh, and who knows who there there could have been you know thirty reasons why Vertigo started to take a little bit of a slide over the past decade or so that it did. Um, could have been. You know, could have been her, could have been corporate uh, structure that was keeping things in a certain place. It could have been creators uh, not wanting to work for DC. Who knows? I I don't know. So hopefully a fresh start for her, uh, getting those creators come back and do some new stories, I think is going to be a good thing. I wonder if, you know, the stuff you used to find in Vertigo, you can now find in Image and other publishers pretty readily now. The same tone and and genre and style is now represented really well at image especially and so there's there's they don't really corner the market on that niche anymore and you know i think that that probably has something to do with it as well you know and and a lot of those creators that might might have been at a vertigo now are take aren't taking their their stuff elsewhere quite possible Yep. Which, which you yep. may have alluded to. Um, let me allude to our C4FAP cover B Cowabungle bun, Bundle. Cowabunda, cowabunga Bundle. Well, you Cowabungled that I did, one. I did. I did do that. <laughs> These are all cover Bs. Um, there's four of them. The Blackbird number one with a cover B by Fiona Staples. Aaron Boys number one with a cover B by... Eric Larson, Exorcisters, number one, with a cover B by Pia Guerra, and Juke Joint, number one, with a cover B by somebody named Hawthorne, but I'm really psyched about the book, so uh, that's why that made it into the bundle. Uh, All four of these were getting a massive 50% discount from the folks at Cowabunga Comics. Um, you can also get the cover A's, and that discount's probably around 40%. But this is the the cool one because it's a Comics for Fun and Profit bundle um, that is spec-heavy with, with the right creators on the right books. And you can only get this bundle through Cowabunga Comics. And the best way to – well, just call up Eric right now. He's he's here. Just call him up. He'll, he'll take care of you. Yeah, I got nothing, I got nothing else going <laughs> on. Or you can email him. Eric with a C at Cowabunga Comics with a K dot com and um, send them an email and say, hook me up with this FOC, hook me up with, uh, I want to get on your order list or hook me up with the bundle. Any of those things, he'll take care of you or any anything else you need from an LCS, he'll take care of you. Um, is you there bet. another better way to get a hold of you, Eric, that I did not mention? No, I'd say email is probably the best way. Uh, you can also go to our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash Incredicow, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-C-O-W. And uh, you can shoot a message over to us. Uh, chances are James will probably see that before I do, but he will pass the message on to me right away, and I will follow up with you however I need to, whether it's email or uh, or through Facebook. But, yeah, email is probably the best way. Um I do send out a weekly FOC list. I try to get it out uh, on Friday evenings. 
because the list is finalized uh, Friday at noon. It's usually pretty solid around Wednesday, Thursday, but I just tend to wait till it's finalized to make life easier on me most weeks. Uh, but I get it out to you Friday. You've got till roughly noon on Monday or till I come a calling to see if you uh, are placing an FOC order or not. And then uh, we send out a monthly order form, and those are usually due back uh, the, what is it, the last Thursday of the, last Wednesday of the, Month, second to last Wednesday, depending on how the ordering system works through Diamond and what they've got for days yeah. of the, or how many release weeks there are. So, um, yeah, that's the system. And it's a good one. And it costs me lots of money, but I get lots of comics out of it. So it's really cool. And it could cost you lots of more. It could, it could cost lots of more. 